Welcome to the 39th class on the Christian basics, or for my Lutheran teenagers out there, confirmation. Every week we aim to bring you biblical content that will help you in your new or emerging walk with Christ. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor down at First Lutheran in Houston, and I'm joined again by Ted Wright of Epic Archaeology to look at the parables of Jesus. Let's roll. Okay, Ted, well, thanks for joining me again. We're looking at the parables of Jesus, these kind of enigmatic, uh, kind of mysterious teachings of Jesus that confused his hearers, enraged them from time to time. Um, but they really teach us about the kingdom and the value of the kingdom and the way that in the kingdom of God, there is this incredible growth, even though it might not look like that to us. Um, and also there are some some moral teachings, I think, you know, uh, that, that turn things upside down a little bit as well, the way that we ought to act. And Jesus clearly is trying to challenge assumptions. But I want to start, uh, we're going to end with maybe the two most famous parables of Jesus, the prodigal son and the good Samaritan, both of which are in Luke and only in Luke. But uh, I want to start with one of the, one of my favorite parables, because um, it's kind of sneaky. And Jesus says, you know, to be uh, as shrewd as serpents, but innocent as doves. And this parable kind of speaks to that. And it's the parable of the of the buried treasure, right? Mm. And so it's a it's a guy that realizes there's this, there's this incredibly valuable treasure on a piece of property. Well, he doesn't go and tell everybody, hey, there's this buried treasure on the property. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, you know I'm, I want to buy the property. Of course, he doesn't yeah. do that because it make the property unaffordable. So what does he do? He keeps the secret to himself. He goes and buys the property, and then he has the treasure. And so what do you think about that? What is Jesus trying to say about the kingdom of God and, 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 and maybe the way that we're supposed to, uh, to work in the world? Yeah, it's, I mean, that is a very, it's one of my favorite parables, actually, um, because it has, I think it has to do with, I mean, there's a lot you could write about on the parable itself, but I look at it as seeing value in the gospel and understanding what the gospel actually, getting it, mm-hmm. like, some people don't get it. Some people do get it. And those who get it, those who understand it, it becomes the most valuable thing. Mm. And you do whatever it takes to get it. And um, money is not, a, is not the point. The point is not even trying to hide it. The point is that, that it's so valuable that you do whatever it takes to, to arrange your life yeah. around it. And if but, I remember correctly, I might have omitted that he 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 i might be wrong but i think he sells everything he has to buy that property mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so you know it's like and and that's and of course there are other examples where jesus talks about the the sacrificial need you know and so on and so forth but yes. anyway but yeah so that that's that's beautiful you know this yeah you do what you have to do and once you do you yes. have this thing that you highly value absolutely it's so it's it, it, you know, here's here's what I what I'm reminded of, Evan. It go, it's uh, it reminds me of Christ's words uh, to the rich young ruler, you know. And then also he says, um, well, he says, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But he says um, that which I forgot the what pastor was going to quote, but um, I lost my train of thought. This happens. No, no, ever happens to you. But it'll come back. No, <laughs> it'll come back. Yeah. But um, but it has to do with, I think seeing the glory of the gospel that it's hidden to the world but it's a hidden diamond and once you have that once you if you see a something that's important you're going to do everything you can to get it um 
Oh, I know the, the, the passage. What is a profit if a man gains the whole world yet forfeits ah, his soul? Yeah. You can have everything. You can have – in fact, I was just reading something recently about uh, people who are very wealthy. I mean they have everything and anything they want. But they're miserable, and many mm-hmm. people who are wealthy, who have a lot of money, and it's not not a bad, not it's not evil to be wealthy, but they're miserable. They have no peace, and many of them are alcoholics, or they're they have drug addictions, or they have dysfunctional relationships with their family, and they would do whatever it takes to have that relationship with that son or that daughter, or whatever. That's what he's talking about. Is like no matter what the external circumstances are, if there is a spiritual beauty to the gospel, that you cannot money cannot is, is you can't put a price tag on it yeah that's the whole point is that you can't you, you'll sell everything it's and again it's, it's not saying that you're buying the gospel that you're buying the kingdom it's it's it, it's pointing to the value of something that only god can give you yeah um, and it's a it's a free gift and yeah. i think it speaks to the beauty and uh it reminds me of a um I have a quote from Dostoevsky. I've been reading a book uh, by uh, Rowan Williams, uh, former Archbishop of Canterbury, on Rowan, William, uh, Rowan Williams on Dostoevsky's uh, Brothers Karamazov. And something that Dostoevsky, in one of his characters, says in the, in the Brothers Karamazov, it's profound. Years I read it, first read it several years ago, and it's always stayed with me. And it's essentially, here's the quote from Dostoevsky. He says that beauty is the battleground where God and Satan contend for the heart of man. Hmm. Beauty is the battleground where God and Satan contend for the heart of man, and there is competing beauty. In other words, uh, the gospel is beautiful, but it's a spiritual beauty. It's not the world is all about the flashy and the get this and the social media and Instagram and TikTok and all the stuff, and it it promises fulfillment, but it cannot fulfill. It cannot give you what you want. It's just because it can't. It can't give what it doesn't have. Only the gospel can give you what you're looking for. Mm. So it is this vision of the gospel that it is a beautiful thing. It's um, it, it is the I've even actually read atheists who who actually admit that the Christian gospel is attractive. People mm. who are looking on the outside, you know what? I don't know if I believe it, but it's a beautiful thing. It's an yeah. amazing thing. And but here's the thing: it's true. We believe yeah. you and I believe it's actually true. Yeah. That God loved the world so much that he gave Christ that you just simply have to trust in him, believe in him, and you have eternal life. It's not yeah. what you do. It's what you, it's who you believe. Yeah. And it's the receiving a gift that's offered freely to you. And yeah. uh, so so I think the kingdom of God is like that. It's 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 and what you what we have. We don't even I think I think the average Christian doesn't even realize the riches that we have. I don't, I, we don't even have, we don't have a clue. Like, it's like, uh, you, you remember these stories, Evan, of people like, um, investing in like this, like company, like, oh yeah, there's this company, this guy, and he's named a computer company after an Apple, Apple, you know, and, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't, de- I donated a few dollars to it. And now they're like yeah. multi-billionaires because yeah. of Apple stock right. went up Right. Yeah. <laughs> because they have no idea what they, and I think it's I think it's true as well that we uh, that the kingdom of God is treasure beyond our wildest imagination. The, the best the, is yet the, to come. Yeah, and the analogy would be something like, yeah, there's this there's this nutball, and he's got a company in his garage. And it's called <laughs> Apple. Yeah, <laughs> but but I am going to give up my pension. 
the house I live in and the car I drive and my kids college tuition and my wife's piggy bank to go to Europe next year. I'm going to throw all that at Steve Jobs, whoever, whoever that is. Yep. And then and then they become, you know, the trillionaire, you know, yeah, uh, or I'm going so, yeah. to believe what he, I'm going to believe in his vision. I'm going to trust what he says. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. give all it up to, to follow him. And the same is true with Christ, except it's not computer stock. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about yeah. the kingdom of God. This also dovetails into what uh, the Apostle Paul actually writes in Romans, where he talks about this whole discussion about the Gentiles and the Jews, because the Church of Rome was composed of Gentiles and Jews. And he's talking about, has God done with Israel? He says, no, mm-hmm. uh, Israel rejected Christ. So the gospel then came to the Gentiles, and now salvation has come to the Gentiles. But then he says, no, God's not done with the Jews. I'm sorry about that. Um, he said that if, uh, if their rejection, if by their rejection of the Messiah, the gospel came to us and we're rich, how much more will, the full, will their fullness be? So in yeah. other words, when the, when the Jewish nation finally receives their Messiah as Messiah, then we as Gentiles are going to inherit all of that and more. It's yeah. like we just get all of it. Yeah. Just for the price of faith. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump to say the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, okay. The story very quickly is in the midst of the question, who is my neighbor? That's very important. So someone is asking Jesus who my neighbor is because he's saying, love your neighbor. Uh, you know, love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he, then he, so someone says, who's my neighbor? And instead of just answering him, Jesus says, well, let me tell you a parable. There was a man who was on a journey. He was beaten and robbed and left for dead. A Levite walks by, not offering him help. A priest walks by, not offering help. But a Samaritan stops by and medicates him, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, pays for his care, um, and says, hey, if you need anything else, put it to my tab, to the innkeeper, and I'm going to look after this person. And boom, mic drop, right? So yeah. so the question is, who is my neighbor? And what's the so what's the context there? And what's the importance then of this Samaritan guy being the one who helps the person who's left for dead? Yeah, I mean, this this is like so modern today. I mean, it's a modern application. Um it, it kind of touches upon some racism that kind of went on and some uh, stereotypes that people had back then of Samaritans. But then also it, it connects all the way back to the Old Testament. Uh, after the death of King Solomon, uh, the kingdom was split into two separate kingdoms. You had Israel in the north uh, that was also called Ephraim. The re- reason why it was called Ephraim is because that was the most numerous tribe at the time, the most influential tribe. And they were centered upon uh, they were centered upon Samaria, and then the Jews then worshipped God in Jerusalem. So they began to be separate and began to grow apart, and even had war with one another. And at one point, uh, you know, the Samaritan Jews wanted to take out the you know the Jews of uh, of Jerusalem. So there was this animosity, and they just did not they didn't want anything to do with one another. They would like stay away from the Samaritan yeah. side of the tracks. So Jesus and, isn't like choosing like our friendly neighbor. He's no. he's saying the hero of the story, in essence, is our declared enemy, and your people, your best people, the priest and the Levite, who is the mm-hmm. priestly class. That's right. They walk by and do nothing. And so it's kind of also a question of not just who's my neighbor, but like, what does mercy look like? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so it's, it's, it's blowing apart stereotypes, you know, uh, to, to, to modern day 
example of this is to say you have a white supremacist, you know, who, uh, well, a guy who's sort of a sort of a racist white supremacist person and thinks really bad of black people. And that's what he's taught, you know, well, in the story, this would have been the, um, you know, the white supremacist that would have been that like, what? No, you know, maybe that's not yeah. a bad, that's yeah. a bad analogy, but I'm thinking of the worst case scenario that people would right. like be shocked about. Well, that would have had the same knee jerk effect on the Jew at the time. Like, no, he can't be the, the good guy. Yeah. Like, he's the bad guy, you know? And I yeah. uh, like, listen, it's not about like uh, labels. It's about what are you doing? Are you, what is your, what really is your neighbor? So he, yeah. he did, you're right. The parable sort of uh, kills two birds with one stone and he's addressing who the neighbor is, uh, stereotypes that Jews would have had against Samaritans, and then also what does really lo- what does love really look like, yeah. and what does really following God look like and following the gospel? Um, because again, they they taught the Jews taught and the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the time had taught that in order to be acceptable to God, you had to keep the Torah. And so uh, ritual purity was a big thing and they didn't want to touch anybody who was unclean. So this guy that was kind of beat up on the side of the road would have been unclean. But yeah. again, Jesus is challenging this notion of what righteous is and what's unrighteous is. What yeah. is righteous is to simply follow God and believe and do do the works of God. Yeah. So, and so again, and uh, you know, life in the kingdom, it's, it's not always what we expect. It's not always offering the sacrifice at the temple to make the priest happy. It's showing real mercy to people who need it. Well, let's, let's end looking at another famous, uh, you know, uh, parable, the prodigal son. And um, the, the, again, we're just summarizing here, the, the basic parables, there's a lot of richness actually in, in a lot of the details, but basically a father has two sons. One always does the right thing. One uh, wants his inheritance early so that he can go out and party. So he basically <laughs> wishes his father dead right? And says, yes. give me my share of the inheritance. I wish you were dead. I want to go have fun. And uh, he basically goes and um, engages in loose living. You can imagine what that might <laughs> look like. And he blows all of his money and he ends up in a pigsty, which is like the worst you could think you can imagine for a good Jewish boy, right? Because pigs right. are unclean. And so right. this guy is not, it's like the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. And he, he can't even, he, he wishes he could eat the pig food. You know, he's so hungry and destitute. So he says, you know what? I'm going to go back to my dad. I'll throw myself at his mercy. I'll be a slur- servant. They, they live better than I'm living. So he goes home and on the way home, his father sees him walking home and he rushes out like a, like a crazy person. This, his father mm-hmm. runs to him, um, puts on his best robe, the best ring, the sandals on his feet. And he says to the, uh, the older son who always did everything right, kill the fatted calf. This brother of yours, you know, has come home and we're going to hold him a big feast. And the older brother is jealous. And he says, that son of yours, that no good son of yours, he's not my brother. He's that he's your son. You know, I've always done everything right. It's very poignant. It's so poignant. You know, this this image of the guy who actually was was obedient and did the right thing. And he's he's so jealous of his brother, you know. Um, And so it kind of ends that way, like with the with the. The party's going to be thrown for the for the for the guy that came home, but the older brothers, you know, really really hurt, you know, that he's always done the right thing, but nothing's ever happened. So it ends with the father saying, "Look, you know, your brother was dead, but now he's alive." Mm. You know, so there's just so much there, and you know, it's you can tell it more or less from memory because of the, the fact that Jesus yeah. is a master storyteller. 
But uh, what what are some thoughts on on that particular story? Well, this um, there's so it's such a rich parable, and probably one of my favorite to illustrate the love of God and and the mercy of God and God the Father and the question about really what is the nature of God the Father? Who who is God? Who is this mm-hmm. Father figure God? Um, Yahweh in the Old Testament. At one point, Philip even asked Christ, he says, uh, Lord, show us the Father and we'll believe. And, and Jesus mm-hmm. was, you know, very confounded. He says, Philip, you don't recognize me even if I've been among you for so long. Yeah. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. So this is an explicit story, parable, in which Christ is giving what the heart of the Father is like. And I think it's unnerving to a lot of people because of the mercy that God shows, hmm. even Christians, even Jews at the time. Um, years ago, about five years ago or so, I came upon the book by uh, the uh, Canadian, I think he's Canadian, uh, Henri Nguyen, scholar, uh, I think he's Catholic. Um, it's called The Parable of the Prodigal Son. No, The Return of the Prodigal Son. And he wrote a book on this. And, uh, and I agree with his assessment of this, and I have read the story, I've preached on the story, I've taught the story like you have, Evan, I'm sure, many times, mm-hmm. but he has some really, really brilliant insights into the nature of the parable. He was actually, incidentally, uh, uh, Nguyen was actually brought to, he, he's known about the parable his whole life, but he actually was in a museum in Russia, and Rembrandt, one of Rembrandt's paintings called The Return of the Prodigal Son that shows mm-hmm. at that moment that the, ch- that, the, that the older son is on his knees and the father is embracing him. And, and he, he just talks about the different aspects of the painting and how, it, and how they illustrate the parable and the father's hands and the son is bald-headed and he's missing one shoe. And it's just very powerful. But then the so you've got the two, all three people in the book are unpacked. Mm-hmm. The the son that wants the inheritance, and essentially inheritance was not given until the father was dead. So essentially, in essence, what the young son was basically saying is that I'd rather have you dead and have your money yeah. than have your love. And that's a whole thing. And then he ch- chases after all this other stuff. None of this other stuff fulfills him. Uh, and only thing he wants is to go back to his father's house. But then the older brother, as well as emphasized, he's in the side of the painting, and he's in the story as well, and uh, he's looking with jealousy upon the father embracing the son. But what Noeen says, and I think he's right on this, is that both sons, both the, the son who left and the son who stayed, who they both were wrong in the, their theology because they both thought that they could earn the father's love by what they did or didn't mm. do. You mm-hmm. cannot earn the love of the father by leaving or he's just he's a loving father. Mm-hmm. When you when you return to him, he will receive you. And so those who think that they could earn the love of the father just well, we've been we, we do what you say. So you have to know you're wrong, too, because you're always with me and I love you. And there's nothing you can do or not do to cause me not to love you. Um, so he digs into this and it's really very powerful and it really shows the the heart of the father is grace and love. Now it's not to say that God is not holy and not righteous, but of course, at the end of the parable, Christ says that the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And, um, and so 
many of the many of them, uh, for instance, the uh, the conversion of Matthew, the tax collector, mm-hmm. you know, and the going when Christ, when you look at what he did in his ministry, he was criticized for eating with tax collectors and sinners. Mm-hmm. Why was that? Because the heart of the Father is to love the lost, and the the, the imagery not just applicable back then, but applicable today, Evan, is that if you have failed God, if you have run from God, if you have run from the Father, and you have went living and deep into sin, the Father still loves you, and you are welcome back in his house. If you will repent, but the thing is you have to turn back and Mm -hmm. go back to his house. Uh, There are many people who don't go back because they think the father's going to like judge them and be angry with them. But, um, but you have to go back. Um, I mean, he's, you can't receive the love if you don't go back, but his arms are open wide and he is a loving father and will receive any who turn to him. And uh, it's a, it's a powerful story even for today, I think. And if you go chase the things of the world, you'll end up in a pits a pigsty pigsty you know? that's right uh, exactly. that's actually uh that's actually pretty true you know uh you go down <laughs> and and like you said a lot of rich people they they end up very uh lonely and uh, you know depressed or addicted to things you know they they've made kind of a pigsty of their life in many respects so we have to be careful not to chase those things in the world but we have to call it a day uh ted yeah. thanks so much for your time we recorded three uh episodes today i certainly appreciate it i'll let you know when we get all those out um, and I'll let people know where to find you in the intros and the outros at Epic Thank Archaeology. You. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Well, thanks uh, one more time to Ted Wright of Epic Archaeology for joining us and offering us his insight. He's a great teacher and uh, so honored that he could join us for this class. Feel free to email me at christianbasicsclass at gmail.com. Subscribe to this channel. Go to flhouston.org to get any worksheets for any of these classes. And until next time. Take care.